Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. Today, Pastor Michael's in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 23, with part one of a message titled, True Rest. Mark, chapter 2. True Rest. How many of you could use a sermon about true rest? All right, that's what we're tackling this morning, true rest, Mark, chapter 2. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so you want Mark, chapter 2. We continue to watch Jesus move through the Gospels. We continue to see what God is like as we watch Jesus. He is God in human flesh. And we continue to see him tackle uh, big issues of life and heal people and talk about uh, what life is all about. Here he will deal with a Sabbath controversy, which comes up as he reaches out on the Sabbath day and as his disciples are doing something that the Pharisees don't like on the Sabbath day. And uh, this is Mark 2. We're going to start in verse 23. Let's pray one more time. Father, now as we turn to your word, we thank you that it is inspired, living, powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We praise you that it is alive because you are alive. Write your word on our hearts, O Lord, that we might not sin against you. Thank you for the gospel, the good news that we can enter into the rest that's already been provided in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are our Sabbath. We come to you, Lord, in humility right now because we understand who we are compared to who you are. Would you breathe life into us, Lord? Would you pour your Holy Spirit out upon this congregation? Would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church? May we not just be simply a spectator of the word. May we enter into it. May we say, Lord, what would you say to me today? Your servant is listening. Speak. So, Lord, that's our hearts right now together. Your Bible's already alive, so what we're just gonna ask is that we'd be good soil to receive it, and we'd uh, make sure that you receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 2, verse 23. And it came about that he, Jesus, was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. You might want to mark that word Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. Now, the idea of the Sabbath is something that comes up over and over in the scriptures. Way back in Genesis, we saw that God rested on the seventh day. And into the Ten Commandments came the commandment to Israel to set apart the Sabbath as a special and holy day. When you really break down the Sabbath day and you look at what the purpose of it was, the purpose of the Sabbath was to have one day in seven to rest. No work was to be done of any kind on that day. It was to be a day of rest, a day of refreshment, and it was to be a day of worship. It was to be a day to think about God It was to be a day to slow down 
and not make it like another Monday or another Wednesday or Thursday. It was a day that you just kind of cranked it down, put things in neutral. You spent time with your family. You spent time with the Lord. You met with his people. So it was a very special time in the life of the nation of Israel to focus on things that really matter. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a, I'm a mover and a shaker. And so sometimes I have to be pulled to slow down a little bit. And you know, sometimes we quote Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures, amen? Sometimes God gets our attention, we're going too fast, we're not paying much attention to him in life, and he says, hey, it's time for a little Shabbat. It's time for a little Sabbath. It's time for you to rest and reflect on what's truly important. I know for most of us, uh, slowing down in this culture that seems to be a rat race is hard. Somebody said, life is like a rat race, and even if you win the race, you're still a rat. So there you go. (laughs) So what we wanna do is we want to find a way in life to kind of fly above the norm. We wanna find a way to see God's eyes and God's heart. And the Sabbath day was that for Israel. They were supposed to work hard, no doubt. They were supposed to put their hands to the plow and uh, work their fields. But God said, I want you to have a day of rest. The word Sabbath literally means seven. So you guys, if you wanna write that down, Sabbath means seven. And in the ancient language that Moses would have written, this would have been on the older manuscripts, there was an ancient, what's called a picture language, and this is the word for Sabbath, or the word Shabbat. So uh, you can see it up there on the slide. And basically, the combination of the word means to return to the covenant. If you look at the the Hebrew picture there of what looks like a W, that has the idea of repentance. So it means repent or turn around. What's in the middle looks like a house, and that can mean two in the Hebrew language. And you see on the left side, Hebrew goes right to left. On the left side, something that looks like a cross, and that's the tav in the Hebrew language. It's the last letter. And they would write it, and it looks like what? A cross. So the essence of the Sabbath means to return to the covenant or return to the cross. So every time a Jewish person slowed down on Friday at sunset, and that's when the Sabbath starts for the Jewish people, it doesn't start on Saturday morning, it starts at the sunset on Friday, and it goes sunset to Saturday. So what the Jewish people even today do is they will leave work often early on a Friday, they will prepare a meal for Friday night, and the focus slows down so that once the sun sets, they begin to really think about the Lord and they have Sabbath meals. On Friday night, they spend time in prayer and just you know, interacting with their family. And then on Shabbat or on the Saturday that follows, the morning that follows, they would have a Shabbat service. And this could last for many hours. And then they would have a meal in the afternoon. And then when the sun set on Saturday night, the Sabbath would be over. And every time, think of the, the word Shabbat or Sabbath, Seven is mentioned, I think most of you know, seven is the number of what? Completion or perfection. So when you think of Sabbath, think of that it is finished. From the cross, John 19, 30, Jesus said, it is finished. In Hebrews 4, the writer of Hebrews says, there's a Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. That whole chapter is dedicated to the rest that's found in Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus is our Sabbath. Technically speaking, the Sabbath was given to Israel, not to the church. So uh, if you're a Gentile sitting in here, a non-Jewish person, the Sabbath would not have been binding on you. You would have not known much about the Sabbath. You might have known that Jewish people set that aside, but you may not have known that that's what you were supposed to do or even had anything to do with you. The Sabbath was given as a sign to Israel, perpetual sign. So Jewish people that become Christians still practice Shabbat, and that's fine. But hopefully we know what the fulfillment is about. And so that's what it's about. The Sabbath was to be a weekly dress rehearsal to anticipate heaven and the rest that heaven would give us. The Sabbath was supposed to anticipate the millennial reign of Jesus Christ where the wolf would lie down with the lamb, where they would lay aside the instruments of war. They would know war no more. There would be peace in his holy mountain and that's what's gonna happen. Um, in the book of Isaiah, we're told a lavish banquet the Lord will prepare for his people and we will sit with the Lord. And that which hangs over, the shadow that hangs over all mankind, the shadow of death will be removed and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So the Sabbath is supposed to anticipate heaven. It's supposed to anticipate that time when Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. So every Sabbath was a dress rehearsal for that coming reality. When we meet on a Sunday morning as the Christian church, you might ask, why do we meet on Sunday mornings? Well, it seems from church history that, and from the Bible that the church began to meet on Sunday mornings, early Sunday morning, in honor of the resurrection. Jesus rose on the first day of the week, so the church began to meet in honor of the resurrection on Sunday. But I'll tell you this, it really doesn't necessarily matter what day of the week that we meet on. What really matters is who we are in Jesus Christ. And in the time of Jesus, the Jewish people, the Sabbath had become a real weight on their shoulders. It had become so restricted that the Sabbath was not about refreshment, it was about restriction. You might want to write that down in your notes. The Sabbath came, became something about restriction rather than refreshment. And sadly, that has spilled into modern religion so that people often have been raised in churches where you come on a Sunday morning and it's not about being refreshed. It's not about meeting God and being a little closer to him. It's about what you don't do on that day. So instead of about being refreshed in the Holy Spirit, when we gather as God's people, we find restrictions. Don't do this, don't do that. Now, some restrictions are obviously legitimate but if the Sabbath or the Sunday time of worship for us becomes all about restriction, we have lost the meaning of our hope. And now we have imbibed man-made religion which determines one's standing with God not based upon grace but based upon performance. The gospel of grace is about Jesus Christ doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. You're not saved by performance, you're saved by grace through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. Amen? But you are God's workmanship. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Being saved by grace doesn't mean you're not set apart for good works. It just means you know why you're saved, and now you do what you do out of gratitude. So grace is the root. Good works are the fruit 
You can't say good works are the root because if you do that, you've switched it and now your salvation is based upon performance and you can join the rest of the world religions that don't know whether or not they're gonna end up in paradise or heaven one day because they think it's based upon them and their performance. The gospel says you can't do it. You're worse off than you thought, but you're more loved than you ever could have dreamed. And every time you think of Shabbat or the Sabbath, think of seven, think of perfection, think of Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the donate button, for any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. In Colossians chapter 2, if you hold your place in Mark, let me show you a key verse in relation to this, because this was a big issue in the early church, because the early church was Jewish. The people that got saved on the day of Pentecost were Jews from all these different lands, Acts chapter 2, go to Colossians 2. And so the the Jewish people were saying, well, if these Gentiles are going to be saved, they've got to now embrace the laws of Moses, which would include the Sabbath and the dietary laws and all the other 613 commandments and subcommandments in the Bible, especially in the Torah or the Old Testament. So Paul, in dealing with this, says these words, and this is Colossians 2, verse 13. Let's go back to verse 12 in light of Ryan's uh, baptism. Having been buried with him, Colossians 2.12, in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive. Together with him, having forgiven us, how many? All of our transgressions. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The law was a schoolmaster to what? Drive us to Christ. When he had disarmed, verse 15, the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him or through the cross. Therefore, in light of the reality of who you are in Christ, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon, or what's your Bible say? Or a Sabbath day, this is very important. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So in many ways, when you think about Sabbath, Sabbath makes you look back and look forward. It's congruent or it kind of fits well with the Lord's Supper. When you come to the table of the Lord's Supper and you take the matzah and the grape juice, what you're doing is looking back and looking forward. You're to do this until he comes, but you're also looking back on his pierced body and his shed blood for your redemption. So in light of that, Paul says, now... Since it's fulfilled and those things were a shadow of what is to come, the substance is Christ. It's not the day. In fact, the Sabbath is the only commandment not repeated in the New Testament. 
By the way, this does not mean that the Ten Commandments don't still apply to you. Thou shalt not murder is still true. Don't put other gods before the God of the Bible is still true. Honor your father and mother is still true. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet, etc. But the substance or that which had to be done is fulfilled in Christ. He came because we fail to keep the law. One of the Ten Commandments is to keep Shabbat, Sabbath. So he came to fulfill the law. Are you with me? We often say, well, Jesus died because I've lied, or Jesus died because I've hated in my heart, or Jesus died because I've lusted. Yeah, that's true. But Jesus also died because we haven't kept the true essence of the Sabbath. And the true essence of the Sabbath is to put God first, and we don't always do that. So Jesus came to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, including fulfilling the essence of the Sabbath. Everybody with me? So that law became a schoolmaster to drive me to the covenant, to return to the cross and remember that God did for me what I cannot do for myself. And so in so many stories that we have now encountered, back to Mark if you would, in the Gospels there's a deeper picture. There's something deeper going on. In the time of Jesus, the uh, scribes and Pharisees had taken the Old Testament uh, things associated with the Sabbath and they had added 39 different divisions of laws and things that people had to do on the Sabbath. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And it was so restricting to the people of God that the Sabbath became about a weight on people's shoulders. <gasps> Did I do something wrong? That's, that's what the mindset had become. Now there were things that should definitely be honored, but if your religion is just about <gasps> Oh, I hope I didn't blow it. Oh, I hope I'm not in God, you know, out of God's good standing anymore. You've lost what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a relationship with a God who's already paid that price. It is finished, paid in full. That's who you are. Now, we don't always feel like that, of course, but we are a forgiven people. Would to God that we would act that way. Amen? And so here we got uh, Mark 2.23. It came about that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. Now it becomes obvious as you begin to study this text that Jesus was being trailed. What I mean is people were following him around, him and his disciples. You're about to see that they're gonna pick the grain and the, the religious leaders are just waiting to stomp on something that they do, quote unquote, wrong in their eyes. I want to show you an uh, interesting context. If you go to Matthew, there's a parallel account in Matthew and Luke. Go to Matthew uh, 11. Matthew 11. Let's look at verse 28. I'm going to show you some familiar words, but I'm going to show you the context in which they uh, land. This is verse 27 of Matthew 11. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you, what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, 
and my burden or my load is light. Now, no chapter breaks in the original scriptures. Keep reading. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath through the grain fields, and his disciples became hungry, there was a genuine need, and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. Would you notice, Bible students, that the famous statement about come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden, is set in a context of the story we're studying in Mark chapter two. In other words, Matthew has recorded by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these famous words right on the heels of the story that we're studying to uh, drive home the point that what Jesus' words were really getting after was a group of people so weighed down by Sabbath restrictions, their view of God had become so muddled and muddied that they couldn't even move on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said to those people, come to me. You see, I'm the fulfillment of that. I'll take the weight off of you. My yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. Just news for you, Jesus does not want you to be weighed down by religion. He doesn't want it. Because the Jewish people, in many of the festivals and things that they were doing, they were doing them for religious purposes, and Jesus said, you confess me with your lips, but your hearts are what? Far from me. Jesus would rather have your heart than your religious activity if it's gone, if there's nothing really there. Now, what we do if it flows out of a a heart that's committed to the Lord, like get baptized or take the Lord's Supper or honor him on the day of worship is a good thing. But the system, there is no true rest in the system. Psalm 37, 7 and 8 says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Psalm 37, seven and eight. So Jesus and his disciples are passing through the grain fields, obviously being trailed by the uh, religious leaders, and they were doing something like this. They were taking the grain, and they would rub the grain in their hands, and they would separate the, the wheat from the what? Chaff. So it was a way to do it with your hands, and uh, this would be instant nutrition, and you could eat this, and it was a nutritious meal. And so, interestingly enough, the word holy in Hebrew means that which comes out of the threshing. It means to be set apart, but the temple was built on a threshing floor. And so here's what's interesting about the word holy. When you separate the wheat from the chaff, you're becoming more holy, That's what God wants to do in your life. And I think there's a picture here as the religious leaders are following Jesus' disciples to catch them in something. There's an image here of if you want to be truly holy, get rid of the chaff in your life. Don't focus on all the don't do this, don't do that. Focus on what really matters. The Sabbath was to be a delight to the people of Israel. And so a rest does remain for you and for me. And the Pharisees, Mark 2.24, if you turn back there, Mark 2.24, were saying to him, so they uh, addressed the teacher, and uh, it was said in these days, if you had disciples as a teacher, you were responsible for your disciples. That worries me. <laughs> for obvious reasons. So if you have a living truth sticker on your car, please walk wisely. Because, you know, sometimes I get the call. This person go to your church? Nope. 
Don't know them. No, they, they found another church. <laughs> or they're about to. Anyway. And the Pharisees, Mark 2.24, were saying to him, to Jesus, see here. Now, don't you love this? This is the New American Standard, but here's how it's put. The Pharisees, they saw the, the, the grain thing going on, and they went, see here. Anybody grow up with something like that? See here, young man. See here. What do you think you're doing over there? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> see here now. Let me straighten you out on this Sabbath stuff. Well, you know what? There was a Sabbath restriction that said you could only be a certain amount of feet from your home on the Sabbath day. What were they doing out in the fields following Jesus and his disciples? Were they breaking the Sabbath? The rules and restrictions that they had added, so many rabbinic uh, rules or the rules of the rabbis were added that uh, I mentioned it became almost ridiculous. And they said, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, one thing you need to see as a student of the Bible is when they use the word lawful, they're talking about the law of Moses. And there are some commentators that believe that when they say this, they're making a formal charge of Sabbath breaking. In other words, they're making a charge, almost think about it as a citizen's arrest. That's not lawful. And they're asking Jesus to respond Um, I think they're trying to set him up to break the Sabbath. Well, I appreciate that Jesus was against the religious leaders in the respect that you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the scribes keeping the people away from God because they made it a business. Now, when Jesus died and gave up the ghost, remember what happened, uh, that the curtain ripped from the top to the bottom as if God said, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And now you can come to me because my son had laid down his life for you. Yes. And what I see religion doing is that people still go to that curtain that was ripped where God says, all you have to do is just turn around. I'm here. You can talk to me face to face. That curtain is no longer any good. It's no longer of any use. They're going back to the inferior covenant instead of the superior covenant, which is another teaching from the book of Hebrews. There were scribes and there were Pharisees, at least we know there were Pharisees, who did come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. We can think of Nicodemus. Uh, We can think of Joseph of Arimathea, who uh, was on the, the council. But here, here was the problem with the ones that Jesus called out harshly, right? Mm-hmm. He called them hypocrites. He, he said, you, you spilled the blood of prophets. He said, when you, you go land and sea to make a convert and you make him twice the child of hell as you yourselves are. Now, that is strong language. Yes. What was he talking about? Well, we see in other passages, you start to link the passages together and you see that Jesus basically said of these men, they were in it for the money and the power. They loved money. They love the approval of man above the approval of God. And they they did not know the Father. You know, th- those are some striking words. They will do what they do because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. They had no relationship. So what they did was out of religion, but it was void of relationship. And so that's why the whole system become became bankrupt, because it didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. 
Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.